going deep. I feel like Kalo on the Miami Heat. The words I speak off this sheet are like a three-peat. I don't just hop on a track. I bring running cleats. I'm a player for real, more than an athlete. Let my mama tell it. Could have ran for the Senate. Instead, I penned it for Donovan Bennett. I'm cemented. This a deep dive. In your headphones or a long drive. Up close and personal, just like you courtside. They ain't no out of bounds here. No offsides. We going live in one, two, three, four, five. You are now tuned in to Going Deep with Donovan Bennett. It is another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I am Donovan Bennett, and we will get you set for all things NFL in preview, not just week two, but the rest of the year based off of what we saw in week one. But something that we did see in week one, which was not ideal, was some key injuries at key positions and really a key tendon, if you will, because the Achilles is one of the toughest injuries to come back from. And now both J.K. Dobbins and Aaron Rodgers have to do that moving forward. Someone who did do that and came back at a high level but knows exactly what it means is Sean Merriman. So we figured what better time to catch up with Mr. Lights Out himself to talk about the anatomy of the Achilles tear and uh, talk about what he expects to happen, not only with Jets and Ravens, but across the league moving forward. We go deep on all things NFL and the worst injury in the sport with Sean Merriman. So, Sean, I got to start with what a lot of people have been talking about around the NFL right now. Aaron Rodgers runs out on the field looking like a superhero with the American flag, and he ran farther with that flag than he did with the football as the sniper got him, had the Achilles injury. When you first saw him go down after the fourth offensive play, your thoughts were what? Well, um, you know, first off, you know, I, I also told my Achilles, um, so I've been there. I knew exactly what happened when he went down. I thought it was either a, you know, a turf toe or it was an Achilles. And after the replay, I saw his foot fully extended. When you pop your Achilles, it's normally from the heel, the heel of the bone. And you don't know it happened at first. You actually think that somebody kicked you. Um, and so when he stood up the first time and sat back down, I think he realized at that moment that he had popped his Achilles. And there was so much talk about, oh, x-rays are negative, and we don't know. But it, you've been there. You know. The doctors know. Every, everyone really knows, right? There is no real mystery in terms of what happened when it happens, correct? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, and uh, the thing is, um, there's so many different variables when you pop your Achilles. You know, it, it, sometimes it could be a really, really you can pop your calf, right? Uh, so there is a, oh, we're just hoping for the best, but I think he knew immediately. And most, most doctors, when they saw what happened, they, they also knew immediately. And, um, you know, thank God for the, for the cameras in the NFL because they were able to zoom in and we saw his calf move. And once I saw his calf move, I figured that his Achilles had tore and kind of rolled up into his, the ligament rolled up into his calf. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, man, because it's one of those injuries that you don't understand how important that Achilles is until you rupture it. Well, tell me about how difficult it is to get back, because that's the next question. At the age of 40, with that rehab ahead of you and not knowing the player you're going to be on the other side of the rehab, what lies ahead for Rodgers if he wants to come back and play? Well, you, you know, look, the, the rehab is long and grueling. 
Um, it's definitely going to be harder because of his age. You don't just, just pop right back into it and be ready again. Um, the good thing is he's at a position where, you know, tearing the Achilles is not going to really affect him and how he throws the ball. Now, when I tore mine as an outside linebacker and pass rusher where you not only explode off the line of scrimmage, but you also have a 330-plus tackle that's pressing up against you against the run blocks. You're loading that Achilles up. And, you know, it's, it's much more difficult at another position that requires you to be more explosive that it's harder to come back from. My, my opinion, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back from this just fine. Um, you know, he'll be 40 years old or so, and, and you know, it'll be a, a little bit difficult, but he's still got a shot, man. He can play a couple more years after that at a high level and then, you know, make his decision in. Well, that's why I love talking to you because you provide that perspective for blind spots for people who maybe haven't thought about these injuries in the same way because everyone was crying some in some cases at MetLife literally for Aaron Rodgers but there was no tear shed for J.K. Dobbins who tore his the same week this guy's had injury issues nine games played since 2021 and was in a contract negotiation what is the comeback going to have to be like for him given the position that he plays as a running back? I really felt bad for J.K. Dobbins. Um, yeah, I think that not only from the Ravens, but the fan perspective had high hopes of him getting back on the field. He's such an explosive, dynamic player and how he plays the game. He runs hard. He plays the game the way it should be played. Um, and it's extremely difficult. And I'm not talking about from the physical aspect, just the mental aspect of you hurting your knee like he did or had the injury before and now coming back to, you know, tearing his Achilles. I did just that. Um, I had a fully knee reconstruction in 2008. I came back from that pretty fine. But what happens is you start to overcompensate um, when you come back from your rehab or whatnot, putting a lot of pressure on the opposite side of your leg. And that's when an injury normally happens to the other side. And it's unfortunate, man, because it, it is a long, tough, road, a mental battle, he will probably have a little bit more of a difficult time coming back than Aaron Rodgers does. The natural question that people started to ask afterwards, literally as soon as the Jets game was over, given the injuries we've seen early this year, is about turf and relation to natural grass. And the NFLPA has put out a statement saying they want natural grass in all stadiums, given the weather uh, and the fact that some of these stadiums have already been, you know, built uh, is a tough ask, but w- where do you stand on, you know, this issue and playing on natural grass r- relative to artificial turf and, and would grass work in every stadium, in every location throughout the NFL season? Well, I think the information is there. Now the natural grass is better than the turf. Um, you still will have some guys, not all, but some guys that say they like the turf because it makes you a lot faster. Um, change direction a lot faster. Uh, you know, you can come out in your short stud cleats and still go out and get it done. But for the most part, man, you're going to have the guys saying, we need to go back to grass. Um, I get it that the NFL owners and, you know, the, the concerts and some of the other uh, events they have in the stadium, it's a lot easier for the upkeep. But, you know, you don't, you don't want your, your big-time guy, a guy you just pay 50 or 60-plus million dollars to, to go down because, you know, you're saving a couple million dollars a year. Uh, in upkeep from having grass or having turf. The other aspect was there was a real live football game. And I don't know if I've seen a football game where both fan bases left feeling bad, both the Bills fans uh, and the Jets fans. A lot of teams with high expectations dropped games 
week one. Which team and fan base do you think, based off what you've seen, should actually panic? And which do you think is a bit of an overreaction and they're going to be okay in the long run? Yeah, I mean, there's Josh Allen, look, he, he's thrown some interceptions. We know he's done that, but he's also overcome that. They'll still be fine in the long run because he's there and healthy. Uh, the Jets have a whole a whole different set of problems to deal with. Um, now you're going forward during the season relying on Zach Wilson. you got to go find a legitimate backup for him now in case he doesn't play well or he gets hurt or something happens. Um, and so it, that becomes a little bit more difficult. Who you bring in, a, a vet? Do you bring in a guy that's younger? Um, you know, do you, do you just bring in a safety blanket or somebody do you think that you can go and win a playoff game with? So the Jets have a lot more uncertainty th- than the Buffalo Bills. Josh, Josh Allen, he's, he, that team is going to overcome a couple turnovers. That's not an issue. The trend that we saw around the league, and it's tough really to evaluate this early because people don't play in the preseason anymore. So week one is still kind of the preseason. And, you know, week one can be a liar a little bit. But, you know, the sport really has come down to the passer, protecting the passer, and getting after the passer. Um, a a big-time pass rusher got paid in, in Nick Bosa. When you saw that number for that player, given the amount of big contracts already on that team, um, what what'd you think? That maybe I got a couple more snaps left in me, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> you know, I, look, the, the game is a part of the business. It goes up every year. And, you know, as a former player, you, you look at Nick Bosa, for one, he deserves that contract. Uh, as you just alluded to, these uh, quarterbacks are getting paid so much and they're so important to the game. Well, what position or what positions can stop them from having, you know, a great game? And that's the pass rusher and the cornerback. Those two got those two positions are going to get paid the most on the defense because their ability to stop the most important guy on the field. So uh, Nick Bosa deserves every penny of it. You know, uh, Michael Parsons is going to be up after this year. They're going to, they're going to have to be forced to, you know, give him a big deal. If they keep waiting too long, they may not want to pay him. Uh, but, you know, it's part of the game, man. It's the contract and the business of the NFL. It just goes up every year. Well, Parsons, I wanted to talk to you about, so I'm glad you took it there because it reminds me a lot of you in terms of comes out as someone who could play as a, an outside linebacker, cover, rush the passer, but you rush the passer so well that people just say, hey, how about you just get online scrimmage and get after the passer, despite being able to do things uh, uh, otherwise. But they got a real question in terms of they're going to pay him clearly, but they also have the quarterback in Dak Prescott who, who needs money. I think Parsons is the best player in the league that's not a quarterback uh for you how do you evaluate you know his impact on the game and his impact on that team moving forward given that they've got some big decisions to make as well you know about every 10 or 15 years you have these guys come around that completely change uh the course of the game right uh when i came in i was you know 200 and almost you know 70 pound linebacker the outside linebacker that was kind of running around so it was like oh my god this, this is the first time you know someone's seen me of the size and speed and everything else. And then you got somebody like Michael Parsons to come in there um, who is not only big and strong and fast, but, you know, this guy can run and move around just like a running back. And you just don't see anything like that. His strength, his pad level, the way he his explosion getting off the ball. Um, you can line him up anywhere on that defense. We've seen him blitzing down the, the B gaps and A gaps of the centers and guards coming off the edge. 
you can't it's not very many things you can do to stop that you just you can't uh because you got to account for him every single play the problem is you just don't know what he's going to line up at so um he he is a a game changer man we haven't seen anything like him in a very long time if ever uh so you know once he wins the defensive player of the year because if i I believe he will if he stays healthy this year um you know he's just going to change the face of of the defense in the nfl well we saw nick bosa hold out and eventually the niners blinked and gave him his money we saw Chris Jones hold out and miss a game, but I'm interested in you know your perspective on that because he didn't get any additional years on the contract, got some bonus, but the fact that he gave up money missing time in camp and missing a game, in the end, I don't know if it's really a net positive. It impacts the game, but, but not in the same way. What was your perspective on, on that holdout situation given that you know he's a, a D tackle and a three technique? Yeah, well, look, um, there's very few guys that I really ever compare to Aaron Donald. I do think that Aaron Donald's the best defensive defensive lineman of all time. Um, but Chris Jones is right up there. And his uh, we, we've seen it on full display against the Lions that he was a big missing piece because the Lions were just gashing them on a the run. They couldn't hold him against a run or provide a pass rush from the interior. Um, and so we've seen what he's capable of doing, and we've seen how – uh, they struggle when he's not on the field. So, you know, I don't know the ins and outs, whether they gave him that money back or, where, you know, whether he got a couple more million dollars in exchange for, you know, whatever. Um, but him not being on the field hurt them a lot. Uh, and there's only two or three guys, I would say, in the NFL that has that kind of ability on a defense, on the interior defense alignment who can change the game as, as much as he has. The Chargers are hoping that Justin Herbert, you know, with a new play caller, can continue to grow uh, and change the game. But they played well in a loss. But in the end, it was still a loss. And Austin Eckler already, you know, making comments showing his frustration. I don't want to say the Chargers are just going to charge her because it's new regime, new play caller. They've had a new coach and, and new QB. But sometimes it seems like the same story. Do you think that uh, they're going to turn the corner or there's still some issues that leave you concerned? Well, um, you know, first and foremost, uh, I was at the game, and anytime your offense score 30, 34 points, that should be a win, um, even in the shootout, right? You, sometimes you got to win those uh, 34, 31 games, 34, 28, uh, and you give up a lot of points to uh, Tyreek Hill, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, to a really good quarterback, Waddle. Uh, you know, they got some guys on the offensive side of the ball and extremely explosive. So with that being said, um, you can't lose those games, period. And, you know, it's, it's no excuse. Defense has to play better. So I've seen that Dur- uh, Derwin James came out. It was very public that they need to play better and just watch them on Sunday. And that's where you got to leave it at. They got to come back out, man, and, and really prove themselves. Um, they just look, you know, slow and lost and, and uninterested unmotivated, just not to charge his defense that we're accustomed to seeing. I don't know if we're accustomed to seeing an offense with so much speed like they have in Miami all over the field. And obviously the greatest example of that is Tyreek Hill. So you were there, you saw the speed and how it plays. Take me into what do you do with them? They're giving uh, Tyreek early releases. So it's really tough to jam him at the line of scrimmage. It's tough if you play man. Tua's taking a step that he knows where to go with the football when you play zone. What are the answers against that Miami Dolphins offense when they're healthy? 
Well, they look, they got so many weapons, to be honest, and, you know, they have Tyreek moving around, motioning a lot. You can't really get to him. You don't know where he's going to go. Uh, he's off the line of scrimmage. He's motioning. It's going to be difficult. You're going to give up some points to Tyreek because you can give him a five-yard pass and he can turn it into 30 in a second because he's just so um, explosive and he's so fast. You're going to give up some, some, some yards there. You're going to give up some points. You cannot give up, you know, 36 points. That You just can't do it. Um, yes, they are good. They were a good team on offense, but in my opinion, not 36 points good. So um, I'm just, you know, uh, waiting to see what's going to happen this Sunday. Do they find out what the problem is? Do they go back and adjust and fix it and see what their intentions are and their mindset coming out Sunday? It's going to say a lot. The interesting thing that came out for me this week also is uh, a change moving into next year that they're going to add additional spots on the practice roster and designate a role for an international player to help grow the game. Now, you've been able to travel um, you know, all over the world and see that people love the game of football, but what, what will this actually look like? Will it essentially be a bunch of Australian punters on the practice roster or do you think there will be you know, some players that might be able to eventually you know, make a career out of it? Uh, for sure, and we've seen it not only just from the punter side. Um, you, you know, you got rugby players out there, right? That that are used to tackling. They, these guys are athletic. They're fast. You know, we're we're going to have a you know a strong safety or a, a tight end or something like that that's going to pop out from some rugby league in Australia or wherever. Um, and I think it's smart for the NFL to open up the international game because uh, you're right. They're growing um, all over the world and to have you know, their people, their their country, somebody represented from their country means a lot. It's just going to bring more eyeballs to the NFL. I think it's a brilliant move. So often we have our preseason predictions on who's going to win and who's going to meet up in the Super Bowl, and then we start to watch the games when they happen for real, and our mind changes. I want to know from you who you felt was going to be playing in the last game of the year coming into the season, and if you've seen anything that has changed that perspective? Well, for one, I'm not a, uh, hey, you win one game or you lose one game, the season over, right? Um, even with the Chargers losing um, and, and everybody disappointed in how, how bad they played on defense, I still got them winning the division. I really do. Um, and then getting deep in the playoffs and seeing what happened with the Super Bowl, a team that no one's really talking about and I've been talking about for, you know, the last couple of months, and we've seen it last Thursday against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs was the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Detroit Lions, uh, in my opinion, is the best team in that division now, right? There, uh, you know, no Aaron Rodgers, no Dalvin Cook, and they got they're, they're a weaker division now. And the Detroit Lions are emerging out of that division. Now they get in the playoffs. Now I know everybody gonna keep talking about San Francisco 49ers and how great they are, which they are, um, and the Philadelphia Eagles, which got great players and they're a great team. But no one's talking about the Detroit Lions, and I've been talking about them enough for a month. Uh, for a few months, and now we got a chance to see that they're a very scary team to play against. Uh, they run the ball well. They um, they play great defense. They know how to turn the ball, you know, uh, you know, get turnovers. And it's, it's just a gritty, gritty team that want to fight you to the end. So just be on the lookout now for the Detroit Lions here coming out of that division. So it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to put it on tape. And now that they have, people are falling in love with them and their coach. In the NCAA level, the same is true for the Colorado Buffaloes. I, I, I imagine if you were coming out now, you know, I know you love 
you know, being a Turk, but Coach Pry might be able to intrigue you. What have you seen in terms of the college football world being turned upside down uh, that has, you know, Deion Sanders and a team that won one game last year already in the top 25 and beating, you know, real schools? Well, it's just more credit to Prime. Um, I remember uh, them reaching out to me before he got the job there, Jeremy Bloom had reached out to me and then I connected all of them with, uh, with coach prime. So I was, you know, had a little bit of uh, my hands in that process. Not that coach prime needed any help from me, but um, when I saw that the, that the offer was serious, I got it over to him and made sure that he knew. Um, and, you know, it, it, I'm not surprised. Anybody that's surprised at what he's doing hasn't been following him for the past decade. And I'm not talking about Jackson state. I'm talking about him coaching, you know, high school kids and he's won. He's won as a coach all the way through. And when you instill this type of confidence in your players, in your team, it it, it just goes through the entire locker room. Everybody feels good. Everybody feels confident. No one feels like they're an underdog anymore. That All those things are important. So anybody that's surprised at Coach Prime and his winning now and what he's doing hasn't been watching him for the past 10-plus years. Well, I mean, I know they had to raise, I believe, $28 million to get – Coach Prime, I think you deserve a finder's fee. I hope you got your cut. You know, maybe Drew Rosenhaus <laughs> needs to move over and you could be a super agent uh, for, for big-time coaches. No, you, you know, that was a, a special deal. Um, I, I normally don't get my hands into that because I, you know, I, do had a, I did have a relationship with Prime and, um, and you know, Jeremy Bloom, who reached out to me, good friends with him. And I, just, I was happy to be able to connect those two. Uh, no finders fee, but I'm definitely looking to, to get some uh, free tickets here and there. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, well, you know, uh, I, I'm looking to get, you know, maybe uh, some free tickets to one of your fights in the future because, man, the cards that you guys have been stacking up consistently have been consistently strong, if not getting stronger. And it's the same for the event we have coming up on Saturday, October 7th, the Thunder Studios. Morales at Tolliver, different styles, different fighters, other than the fact that they're both ripped. Um, it'll be a nice uh, matchup. W- w- what can we expect, you know, from the card that we're going to see on FUBU Sports? Yeah, I, like you just said, these cards uh, keep getting better. Obviously, as we're growing um, on, on FUBU Sports, we got a, we got a big fight um, October 7th. Uh, you can get all your information at lightoutxf.com. We'll be live October 7th on uh, FUBO Sports, FUBO TV. If you don't have FUBO, get it. Uh, but you're right, man. These these guys are coming to scrap. You know, we got Albert Morales and Musa Tolliver, um, Albert who fought in the UFC before, um, seasoned vet. Um, and I've trained and sparred with both of these guys personally. I know that there's bad blood between the two, which is why we wanted to push this fight through. Um, but, yeah, if you guys don't have FUBO, get it, man. It, we, we throw some hell of a fights and looking for everybody to uh, to stay tuned. The bad blood isn't just from Taylor Swift, potentially maybe dating Travis Kelsey. It will be uh, with Lights Out Extreme Fighting presented by Family First Life. Get your tickets at lightsoutxf.com, 18-plus event if you want to be in the building, uh, Thunder Studios. Can't wait for the fight and, you know, can't wait to continue to watch these NFL games now that the season is back. We'll continue uh, to hit you up and get you perspective because you always come correct. Thank you so much, Sean. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Sean. Always love his perspective and his energy. He has me fired up not only for his card that is coming up, but for 
some NFL football this weekend. Give him a follow on Twitter. His handle is his name, at Sean Merriman, S-H-A-W-N-E-M-E-R-R-I-M-A-N. And I guess I said give him a follow on Twitter, but yes, it is currently called X, but I'm going to keep calling it Twitter because it is Twitter. Uh, you can also follow uh, the fighting consortium that he founded at Lights Out XF if you want to know all about the fights and events that they've got coming up, the stars that they're developing and focused on. LightsOutXF.com, as he mentioned, is the website. Stay tuned to this very space. we got some really interesting interviews coming up with some athletes and administrators in the amateur sports space. And like always, we'll react to the professional sports space as news breaks. Thanks for listening.